0: I'm Valerie, and I'm Imra, and we are Two, Two African,
1: African Americans.
2: Welcome to Two African Americans, a place for courageous conversations that heal. Today's episode focuses on what it means to truly be an ally, to stand in solidarity with those who are treated unfairly around us. At critical moments in culture, when injustice rips the band-aid off old wounds, often the first response of the majority is blame-shifting and finger-pointing. But as Valerie explains, there is another option for how to respond in a way that builds up rather than tears down. Let's listen in now to Episode 5, Lament, Learn, and Leverage.
0: Today, let's talk a little bit about intersectionality. Are you familiar with that word?
1: No. What is that?
0: It is a place where um, race, ethnicity, gender, and other social identities intersect. So in other words, myself, I am a black woman who also has indigenous roots and was extremely poor at the very beginning of my life. And so those are all groups that are othered. And they and for me, they all come together in at one place and it's called me, Valerie. And so intersectionality, that's a little bit more difficult because now even if you rem, you know could remove one of those things, there's another other
1: there. Does that make sense? It does. So my intersectionality would be that I am South African, living in a new homeland, Afrikaans culture, moving into an English space. That's not very deep. <laughs> <laughs> still feel, following on what we spoke about before, still pretty privileged. Yeah. But yet, it doesn't... I think for each of us, it it brings into really identity, mm-hmm. self worth. Mm-hmm. We could even be purely one and have issues with who we are. Mm-hmm. And when when there's many pieces coming together, and I'm I'm sure we will have someone around our table in in the months to come that has not sure or isn't content with their gender Mm -hmm. and how complex that is and how do you deal with multi-layers of differences others within yourself (laughs) and that's
0: where identity truly comes into play I have gone through a process of really looking for who is Valerie She's the woman. She's black. She has um, some probably political leanings that others don't uh, appreciate. Um, there's a lot of things that come to make me up. But I think what has grounded me, Emma, is that I find my identity in Christ And so for those who may be listening that are not Christian, you have to find your identity somewhere that's a foundation for you so that when someone comes against one of those parts of you, you don't lose yourself. I am a very tenacious person, so it's very difficult to write me off. (laughs) And so, you know, saying, oh, you're a woman, you can't do this really doesn't mean very much to me because I've been a woman my whole life and I've had to push beyond that. Um, And same thing, telling me that because of the color of my skin, I don't have access. Then my thought is, okay, we live in America where this constitution that we can challenge and we can begin to challenge some of the institutional prejudice that exists in institutional racism. So because I'm tenacious enough, I will push and push until that person either has to allow me to be a part of what I need, allow access to it, or I'll find a better way to get there. But what about those people who are not tenacious and who are turned away because of one of the others or other things that they are how do we begin to become allies for people oh
1: that's that's a powerful word and and that's one of those i think again one of those sticky note things how do i get to be an ally for the one whose voice is quiet and i i know for me i'm I'm also very driven. I am very dream and goal oriented. My differences in any community I'm in don't crush me. I I see the big picture because I'm a dreamer and a visionary and I can move towards it and shift my stance. Wherever I am, I'll go somewhere else but I'll do what I'm meant to do. But exactly in that, how do we become allies for those that, well, I have to smile because isn't that just, it's very much part of my work, helping you to find your voice mm-hmm. and then using your voice. I think it's rooted in what we're doing, mm-hmm. being able to see others. If, yes. if we don't spend time with others that are different than who we are we can never be the ally. We don't really and un- we'll just be putting what we think and feel onto someone else and that is the easy route. Mm-hmm. This is what I believe. If you don't believe what I believe, I will go somewhere else. So even listening to me talking that if if it doesn't work for me here, I'll shift over there. Mm-hmm. Isn't that one of our previous talks you also spoke about if we don't say something or do something it it makes you think when do you start just shifting to your comfortable place? Stop shifting.
0: yeah, yeah. well we know that ally to be an ally means to take action, have behaviors or practices that the leader, take to support amplify or advocate for others and you said it I think one of the first things about becoming an ally is that we have to listen what do people really need not what do we want for them but what do they really need and start asking those questions so that we can hear from people and Know what the next step may be for them,
1: and in business, it's it's natural. You get taught it. It's about the outcome. It's what what they really want. But that is all you got to know that. So you position your words so it can manipulate them to want what you want. Mm. But this this is a <laughs> whole different viewpoint. Yes. Do I really care about you, or do I need to use you? Whether it's for my revenue or to whatever I want to do is a very different giving your time and your heart to make a difference. It comes back to that, what are we truly made for in this world? Mm -hmm. In looking at
0: this whole concept of allyship, it reminds me of a conversation that I had back in 2020 when we were walking through that Tinder space Um, of hearing about Ahmaud Arbery and about George Floyd and how everyone at that moment was starting to talk about uh, racism and how do we deal with it. And I had quite a few friends who I know love and that I respect that were white and they were coming to me with questions of what do we do at this moment? How do we help in this space? And um, so I began to look at some of the the literature out there, and one of those was uh, "Build a Bridge" with uh, Latasha Morrison, and also from another uh, brother, Daniel. And gosh, I can't remember his last name now. But anyway, we were looking at it, and and kind of what I gathered were some simple steps that I was giving people at that time, and it was to lament which lament is to just sit in that space for a while. You know, people often want to just rush to action and do something, but they never stop to think about or feel the issue. And so the word of God even has a whole book on lamenting and stopping and looking at the behavior And I think that that is one of the first things someone who wants to be an ally should do. Sit with me in the pain. You know, sit with me, hear me, maybe even wipe a few tears for me. Uh, So lament. And then once we kind of walk through that place and that space, learn. And not from me but learn go read books go listen to podcasts <laughs> you know go and learn about our country our history what does this racism look like how has it affected people learn um one of the things i said was they were asking me questions and i was in so much pain at the moment that I didn't even know what to say or how to to give the information so learn there are resources out there Um, and then leverage that privilege that we talked about last time that that privilege that comes from being in white skin it does it's there we admit it leverage that Begin to not just walk in allyship, but in solidarity, where we stand together and we begin to have those conversations out loud um, for policies to change, uh, for uh, our school system to change, for different systems to change, leverage your platforms. So I I guess those are some of the things The lament, really understand, sit with me, feel with me, learn and not from me find those other resources because I don't have the capacity to teach you at that moment and then leverage your privilege, show up, be a part of the change. So those are just some things that, you know, I I think about when I look at allyship that leads to solidarity.
1: I'm listening. I think of those instances that happened and, and the many people around me during that time, some lamenting, some rising up in a protective spirit, not understanding, and getting very confused about the violence that erupted. Once that antagonistic angry ridiculous destruction came in cities. It's as if it fueled those that don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it becomes very convoluted, mixed up, and muddled up. For me, I feel that is part of the enemy's work, that when something good could come from evil, now let me make it even worse worse, Let me make it even worse straight away. I will, I will rip through these people. I will create havoc from something. No, let it not become a good thing where people can see the wrong, speak about the wrong, and stay in control. Or what do you feel? Is there a place for such violence, or is it an evil that's come into an evil? Well,
0: I think a lot of it is that (laughs) there are people who take advantage of moments like that. And the anger that rises up is truly a righteous indignation. And we have to stop and say, what is really going on here? Um, You know, are people rioting? Are they protesting? What, What are we seeing going on? And I think a lot of the peaceful protests that happened at that moment were turned violent, not by the protesters, but by people coming in from the outside Rowling people up and causing a lot of the destruction and the damage that went on um it was also uh that thought that um how dare people riot martin luther king jr one of the people that um that white people run to when they want to justify some things they would run and say, Oh, he is a man of peace. And he was this, and he was that. But Martin Luther King jr. Himself said that riot is the language of the unheard that when people have been walking nonviolently and they've been saying this is wrong and that is happening. And, you know, can we look at policy? Can we change this? And they've been there trying to change those things. And then you continue to have the violence that was perpetrated in just those few months of the pandemic against people of color. Riot sometimes was the only way they felt heard. Now, was it right? Did I condone it? No, but sometimes people are so frustrated that they feel that's the only way that others will listen. And so there were two things going on. One is that there were some peaceful protests that were interrupted and invaded by people. A lot of them were white people we found out that a lot of the protests, there were people, part of the Proud Boys and different groups that were literally putting bricks, stacks of bricks on corners. So that you walk up, I'm angry. And now, wow, wait a minute, where did all these stones come from? So they were provoking activity that was violent, um, almost creating the right atmosphere for it. But then there was that voice of that unheard person who is all this pent up anger. What do I do with it? So I don't know. I, I sit in a place of I don't know, because my heart and my mind would never be to destroy. It would never be to to hurt or harm my heart would be, I want I would continue to say, this is the issue. Um, you know, racism is wrong. We got to come together. We've got to do better. You know, we are better, stronger together, better together. That's my response. But for that brother who has all that pent up anger, his is different than mine. So how do we begin to do those things, lament, learn and leverage And do it together so that riots don't have to be the voice because we're no longer unheard. I know that was long and drawn out, but how do we get to that place? And it's easy to dismiss um, moving forward because you can point and say, but look, they're rioting over here. They're destroying. They're damaging. And so it's easy to just say, well, we won't listen at all. So how do we get
1: past that? And I, I think one of the key things in it is having these discussions. I love what you say. Do what can be done to change policy because that's the root of so mm-hmm. much where the fight really needs to happen, not on the street but in mm-hmm. those chambers. Yes. Uh, and listening listening to the real pain and discerning between that and evil that always comes into, always takes the gaps. They will always, so from a different perspective, not about the whites placing bricks, but the whole different other story that went on with that of a great powerful man with money that pours money in and created black organization that goes and creates the riots to create such havoc. At the end of the day, depending on I guess what channels you watch on TV, it would seem yes. to me. Yes, yes, and amen to that. <laughs> what voice you hear and, and who you're consistently listening to, you'll see that angle. It was mm-hmm. blacks that caused the riots. It was whites that helped do it. It's as if we fighting one another yes. all the time, Absolutely. not to really being heard. And so I think a key is exactly that. Can we lament when hurt is done, Mm -hmm. listen to one another and learn from the situation. And always when you learn, there's action. So what am I gonna do about this Mm -hmm. leverage, Mm -hmm. right? And, And go and do something to make a difference. So we would like you as our listener to challenge yourself deeply today. What are you doing to lament, listen, and leverage?
2: Thank you for joining us today on Two African Americans. We so appreciate your support as we delve into these sensitive topics. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcast topics, please reach out to us at twoafricanamericans at gmail.com. Have a great day.